Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. And with no further ado, we're going to jump right in. Today's news is brought to you by Vine and Sparrow. Contact us for a wedding and event venue at VineAndSparrowEvents.com. Celebrating life's special moments. So what's in the news today? What to do when SAAS fails. So I know you And I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you love acronyms. So um, SAAS stands for Software as a Service. It's a generic term that refers to any software that you run through your browser or online. This has been around for a while, but it's being Mm. used a lot more. Uh, Microsoft uses it for Office. Photoshop and uh, Adobe Suite uses it on some of their things. Google uses it primarily. Cloud-based software, that kind of thing. And uh, we've been seeing some issues here where it's great. And I know we've had the conversation about local install and all that kind of thing. But when it's up and running, it does tend to work well in the right environment. Except that we're seeing Microsoft services went down because of a problem about a week ago. A Google Docs had a problem about a week ago. And if you rely on this stuff, it becomes an issue. And it's something just to think about that is this the best direction to go in? And Jeremy, I know your opinion, but go ahead and tell us what you think. I absolutely hate the idea that I can't do anything if I can't get online. Yeah. And that is I absolutely hate that idea. I agree. That's something that's shared. So there's two arguments on this front. <laughs> Using software as a service means that your IT department doesn't have to support as much servers, that type of a thing. Having it, you know, out there, you can, if you go home, you can log on, you've kind of got the same service, that type of thing. So there are some advantages. But the biggest disadvantage, of course, is if your internet goes down or if their service goes down, which seems to be happening lately, it becomes a problem because you can't get to any of your information, you can't work on it. And, you know, so from that type of a standpoint, there still are options to be able to have installed software in most of these environments, not Google Office, but uh, Office uh, like is in Microsoft. They still have it. There's a free suite called OpenOffice or LibreOffice that's uh, kind of supplanted it out there that you can download that does not require a licensing fee, which actually will open your office and other formats just fine. And, uh, you know, so those are some options out there to at least have in the backup. But then the second thing is, is you also would need to keep a copy of your work available locally, either on a flash drive or your hard drive to be able to have this happen. Fortunately, it doesn't happen often. But it does happen enough to where it is definitely something to be concerned about. PlayStation 5 gets its first major update. Yeah, so they've sent out the first big update for the PlayStation 5. Most of us wouldn't know that, being that we haven't been able to get one yet. Yeah. But uh, it is uh, definitely a thing. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit later and in Tech Wednesday. uh, We have a question about this on our Q&A segment dealing with what's going on and why you can't buy them and that type of a thing. But for the select few that have this, you're going to see your first major update. One of the bigger things that's coming out of this is now you can save a game to a USB flash drive. So that's kind of cool. If you run out of space in the internal system, you actually have a way to have external storage. So, you know, I can see where that could be a good thing and where that could benefit some. FCC finally taking on robocalls. This has been an issue. We've talked about it. We had a (laughs) congressman on last year Uh talking about this because this is the biggest complaint that the FCC receives is robocalls. And 
What started this whole thing is basically having the internet and the ability to place calls over the internet means that you can call from anywhere in the world without a long distance fee. This is a good thing if you want to talk to your family overseas or something like that, but it also allows anybody wanting to do scam robocalls and anything else to be able to do that without having to pay a long distance fee as well, and it's just shot the numbers up. And on top of that, having the pandemic, this is really coming into just being a huge problem. And the FCC is finally stepping in. They've uh, been talking about doing this for a long time, but they're forcing now cell phone providers to, to publish what tools they have for this. And the reality is most phone providers do have the ability to block this. They don't. It costs them money to do it. They also make money off of the calls when they call into you, that time and all that kind of stuff. So they haven't been promoted or kind of you know put in the position to want to do this in some ways but they are definitely doing it. The FCC has to get a report usually before they can enforce anything. That report's coming later this year. The other thing that the FCC is finally doing is pushing, they've talked and talked and talked about this, but caller ID spoofing has been a problem. So in other words, the robocall calls you and they can make any number or name they want to come up on your caller ID. So that's used to make you think it's a local number or a number you trust so that you'll answer the call and it turns out it's, it's a robocall. So these things can be very dangerous. They scam people. Our senior community, you know, someone calls, oh, I'm your daughter. I'm, you know, having a problem. I need you to send money to. These kind of things are out there. The other big one is your car warranty is about to expire. Uh-huh. I'm uh, getting tired of that one. Yeah, that yeah. one is a, you know, a, a big deal that's coming in. But it's a huge issue, and it's something that it's nice to see them finally step in here and be able to do something about. We'll see where this kind of goes. But it is uh, it is definitely something that's coming into its own that the FCC is finally stepping in. A Northrop Grumman robot extends a satellite's life. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little later in the show about satellites and junk satellites in orbit. And this is an issue. We talked about the Kepler effect a couple of years ago on the show. This idea, it's been uh, demonstrated in sci-fi, but it is a concern where you have so much space junk that something loses their orbit and it breaks something else and the parts are moving quickly and starts creating a huge problem. And to that end, there's some different things that are being done to try to deal with the number of junk satellites. And this particular mission sends another small satellite up that can reactivate something that's defunct. So in this particular case, it's the second time they've done it. They're reactivating a communication satellite. The robotic spacecraft is called MEV-2, and it's attaching to the Intellistat satellite and actually allowing about five more years of life out of one that would be defunct. So it's it's kind of cool. Now, it doesn't actually connect in a sense that it's adding fuel or something to the existing satellite. It latches on and gives it uh, additional power from that kind of a standpoint. So it's its own self-contained thing, but it's able to get the satellite to work again and bring it back into service. Taco Bell launching digital-only locations. Yeah, so what do you think of this? I think that's actually kind of interesting. Because, I mean, the reality of the situation is is that – this is something that's been talked about. Now, digital only does not mean no staff. Um, right. so we Yeah, have, you'd have to have someone to, to prepare and cook the food. Yeah, yeah. You, you still have that type of thing, too. And from my understanding, you're still served the food by a person. So basically what it comes down to is you're ordering uh, either through an app on your smartphone or through kiosks within the location. So that area of it is automated. The area of actually being able to get your food is not. 
But uh, we're seeing this across the board. Taco Bell actually already has one of these locations overseas, and that one has been working quite well, quite successfully. I've seen automatic ordering kiosks at Wendy's and other fast food restaurants, too. Yeah. So it is definitely out there. But uh, this is kind of a new take on it, uh, making it digital only. And we can kind of go from there. Chipotle has been in the news on dealing with this kind of stuff, too, where they're taking a little different approach. And there's certain menu items that you can only get if you order through the app. So that's kind of what they're doing to encourage people to go out there and get that. I don't know. The whole idea of automating everything, I mean, it has its good side and its bad sides. You definitely are looking at something that uh, takes away jobs um, from that kind of a standpoint that people, you know, normally would do that now is replaced by automation. And that automation takes away a considerably a full-time employee or at least an employee position. Though in Chipotle, um, you, the person who takes your order also puts it together. Right, right. Yeah, I've noticed that. So, too, so. I don't think a job would go away on that one. You know, no, I but just, there's certain features you can only get online. So yeah. You can't order the super deluxe taco, but whatever. But that, that human being still has to put everything yeah, together when he, he or she reads the 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 request. Yeah. So. This is the idea of, of Chipotle's a little you know, different approach to this. So yeah. approaches like Taco Bell and what I've seen in Wendy's actually are the idea of completely eliminating the front end. Right. Order online only, the whole menu. Chipotle still has the ability. And one of the things that they had on there, I hadn't ordered online and I was still able to order it in the restaurant. So, you know, it, it, again, it's just a different approach. Different companies are doing different things and we'll see how all this works out. You're seeing this a little bit with Starbucks and that type of thing as well. And um, I think at the end of the day, automating certain aspects of the food delivery process. They say we've pushed ahead five years on e-everything because of the pandemic. This is just another piece of that, trying to you know create a situation. It's doing two things. It's obviously to save the company money as part of it. But the other part of it is, is not to have the direct interaction as much. So it makes it a little bit safer for doing the protocols of being able to go in, order that type of a thing. So there are advantages to it that just go beyond money. But you know, at the end of the day, We'll have to see kind of how this plays out, and we'll check it out for you. And on that front, we've got a great show for you next week, or this week. We've got a great notion next week, too, but this week's show is good, too. And we will be back after the break. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. And yes, we've got a special extended session for you today. Got a lot of questions in during our clip show, so we wanted to get to a few more of them this week. How do you send in your questions? I'm glad you asked. There's a couple of ways to do it. First way is to give us a call, 503-766-6264. Leave your question on the automated attendant, and we will either call you back or use it on the air or both. The other way to do it is through social media, one user-friendly on Facebook or one user-friendly on Twitter. You can submit your questions there or go to userfriendlynation.com and send them through the website. What do we have for questions this week? Can I get an Xbox One X or PlayStation 5 yet? No. Oh, did you want me to expand on that a little bit? Um, (laughs) (laughs) If there's more information, then no. So actually, the real question to that is if you don't mind paying scalpers, you can get them. That has been Uh. the case since last fall. 
but they do not seem to be readily available. I did a little checking for this on the big box retailer sites, including Best Buy, Walmart, Amazon, all the places you'd expect to see them. And they do show us all sold out. So I talked to somebody over at Best Buy about this because we're now in mid-April. And the reality of the situation is, is that it was expected that by now you would be able to get this equipment. And they're saying that generally speaking, new stock has dropped Thursday or Friday night. It's a digital-only affair. In other words, you can only get them online. So don't, it's not even worth going to the store. You won't find them there. But those are the times to check in that it's more likely than not that there could be one available. Uh, boy, is that a for sure statement, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so what's happening is they're blaming everything from hardware chip shortages to the problem in the Suez Canal and everything in between for this, but they still are not readily available and they still are hard to come by. They're out there and it will get better. At least that's what I've been told, but that's where we're at right now. Is it okay to use gift cards from one company to pay someone else with? No. Did you want me to elaborate yeah. on that one more? <laughs> Some yeah, of these questions. Yeah, know, uh, I mean, uh, that one was pretty obvious to me, but you know, explain where this is. This coming is from. actually an important thing, and uh, we're seeing a tick up in this all over the country with COVID and the lockdowns and everything else. That it is a situation where scammers are out there using this to their advantage. And if you ever get a phone call from somebody or a text or any other form of communication claiming to be from a company that there's fraudulent shipping activity on your account, shopping activity, that type of thing. Or if you get a call from someone, this is the other way that this seems to happen, where they claim to be some form of law enforcement and threaten to arrest you unless you pay some kind of a fee and they want you to do that with store gift cards. All of these things are a scam. Store gift cards are meant to be used in the store they're issued on. So if it's from Amazon, you use them on Amazon. If it's from Best Buy, et cetera. The thing of it is, is using this across the board generally can void the gift card. It's usually a violation of the terms and conditions, but it would be extremely unusual to have something like that actually be the case. And law enforcement departments all over the country are saying that they would never contact you and want you to pay a a fee or a fine over the phone in any capacity, certainly not with store gift cards. Are Amazon Echo earbuds as good as Apple? I checked these out a while back. There's actually two versions of it out now, a new one that's just uh, come out and the original ones that they had. Now, I usually am an Android enthusiast. I mean, that's the end of things I use, and and Echo works generally with an Android phone. Um, At least that's what they're designed for, although they will do both formats. But Apple's earbuds have always been light, easy to use. They charge up easy, and the set that I tested out from Amazon was heavy. They kept falling out of my ears. They did work from a technical standpoint, but these things are expensive. And if you lose one or drop one and it doesn't work anymore, that's a problem. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that we're quite to prime time on that end of it. The other thing that I would say is that the next generation look and feel like a copy almost of the Apple version. So (laughs) that would make them lighter. But on the same token, is it better? In my opinion, no. How many satellites are in orbit right now? This is a question that's come up actually a couple of times because we've been hearing a lot about dealing with space junk and all kinds of things. And this is a number that I've been trying to get that wasn't that terribly easy to come by. These statistics (laughs) are actually about a year old now, so there's going to be more with all that's been launched recently and that kind of thing. But as of the statistics that I could get, there's about 6,000 satellites circling the planet. And about 60% of those are defunct. 
40% are operational. So that puts around 2,666 operational satellites circling the globe as of April of last year. Again, the numbers are going to be higher now with all of the new stuff going from SpaceX and Amazon and everything else. But this is actually very much a concern when you think about it. Kepler effect and all of that is a real thing. We've talked about it in the past on the show. And this is an issue that 60% so of the UN, So the UN needs to uh, have a garbage run um, purchased from one of the space uh, you know, setups? It's beginning to feel like it. And actually, there are missions in the plans to be able to deal with this. This is actually going up. They're going to try to do a shoot to get up and remove a satellite or actually pull it in the lower orbit so that it'll re-enter and burn up in the atmosphere. So they are working on that. That's actually a real thing, but it is definitely a concern. How does an automatic cat feeder work? These devices are kind of cool. I've worked with one. I have two cats, and uh, I have a situation where each cat has to have a different kind of food, and they like to switch bowls. So this is a solution to that problem. But there's kind of a number of different kinds you can get where some of them are just based on a timer, so they open the food up when you set it to do it. You can get them really complicated where they're smart devices. You can control them from your phone. Some even have a camera built into them and allow you to be able to see what's going on. Mine take it a step further that they can read the microchip in the cat. So if the right cat's at the right bowl, it will open the bowl for them. And then they can get in and eat their food. And then as soon as they step away, a a shield comes across the top. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, they didn't really like this when I first got it too. They uh, were scared because it does make a noise. But the other side of it is, is it does effectively work to get the right food to the right cat. And uh, both of my cats tend to like to pig out, so uh, this has actually worked quite well. And then the medicated food getting to the right kitty also works from that kind of a standpoint. So there's a lot of different options, a lot of different price ranges, but it's something you might want to check out and see, you know, if it's something that your pets can use. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. The FCC wants to know about your broadband service. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounded yeah. very... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that they have the ability to actually do anything about the internet service we, we get, but, you know, it'd be nice. Because I, I always think that I'm not... We're not really getting what we're paying for. I don't think anybody's getting what they're paying for. Yeah. I think that's the problem. You know, right now, this is a big deal. We, we have that issue with the getting the speed that you're actually paying for. The other side of it is, is that there was an announcement made by AT&T that they're coming out against the idea of going to fiber, that everything we have now is fine. And a, a lot of people, huh. especially in rural areas, would probably disagree with that assessment. Uh And, you know, we're dealing with a situation where the current broadband measurement cover maps, coverage maps that the FCC uses, are self-reported data from internet service providers like AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, and so on. And they wouldn't exaggerate their coverage, you know, or anything like that, Oh, no. It's uh, (laughs) not very accurate. So, (laughs) Do I need to hold up a sarcasm sign? Yeah, I think we need need that here. And it's... uh, But, you know, what it comes down to is a situation where the FCC really doesn't have accurate information, and they're trying to get it. So they've launched an app to test your broadband service. The app is free to use. It's available on both Android and iOS in the 
appropriate stores to go on and download. You just put in FCC speed test and it'll come up. Uh, also, you can just search for it on Google or whatever. And the idea here is, is they want you to run a connection speed test so that you can report back what your speed actually is so they get it from us as the users and not the internet service providers. Hey, no, that's not a that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Hey, I like that. <laughs> no, it, and it does seem like it makes a lot of sense to do this. And the thing of it is, is there's a lot of changes coming up to the way that broadband is going to work. So so far, we've had cable modems, we have fiber, we have had DSL that seems to be on its way out now. But all of these different type of things for high speed internet have always required a physical cable be run to your house, some sort of a piece of equipment usually provided by the provider is used. A lot of times you rent that. In the case of cable, you can buy it. And after about three months, you'd pay for the rent. So there are some other options, but it's still based on this hardwired idea. And with 5G coming out, some of the new protocols that the FCC is doing with over-the-air broadcast that will include internet and some of the new lower orbit satellite systems that are coming into place we're going to see a step into the wireless arena where you may not need that system in your house anymore and you wouldn't be tied into specific providers that work in your area. And from this kind of a standpoint, this is where they need accurate information to know who really has what and kind of go from there. And I know the three of us have experienced this idea. It was a number of years ago that there was a house that didn't have broadband capability we used a satellite uplink and downlink, which was a little bit better than dial-up, but not by much. Yeah. You know, the thing was Kinda. really a hassle to install. Um, well, yeah, and I remember you saying, don't stick your hand here because you might burn yourself from... Some radiation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and oh. That might have been a touch of an exaggeration, but, you know, the return <laughs> channel, if you had two-way, did have a pretty powerful transmitter, and that was also one of the reasons why you had to install it right. Because you could mm -hmm. conceivably be sending signals to the wrong satellite, which that can cause yes. problems, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh -huh. you know, from that standpoint, I remember when they brought in DSL, and it wasn't terribly high speed, but it was still DSL. It felt just like this wonderful thing to be able uh -huh. to have an always-on internet connection that you didn't have to do something weird to get it to work. And the yeah. thing is, is today there are still parts of the country and many parts in the world that don't have high-speed internet capability. You know, and this has become something that's more of a utility now because so much of what we do is online. It's almost expected that it's going to be there with you know, a lot of the distance education with the pandemic and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Not having a reliable connection is a problem. And then you bring up the issue of, well, you, we do pay for this speed, but we really get this speed and we need to test it and that type of a thing. One footnote on this, yeah. though, is when you're running your tests, the other thing that you do want to check is your Wi-Fi network connection speed. Because if you have older Wi-Fi, that can create problems that may not be the internet service provider, but are on the local network. So looking right. at upgrading that and that type of a thing may actually solve some of these problems. If you can do so, the most accurate test would be to connect hardwire into your DSL router, your cable modem, or your fiber endpoint, and just run the test on there. And that's going to give you a much more accurate scenario. You also wouldn't have other devices taking up bandwidth and that kind of a thing. But this test is a good thing to get. It'll give the FCC some of the information they need to be able to set up policy and that type of a thing and make sure that we all hopefully eventually will have access to broadband, not just people that are within cities or specific locations where it makes sense for the company to provide this, you know? So we'll see what happens. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome back. Steve Mailer, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? It's good to have you here. And you know, last week we had the clip show, and uh, I was dealing with some stuff, which is why we had the clip show. But one of the things we got to you was a promised computer. Uh, yes. This wouldn't normally be anything <laughs> that unusual, except this one took a year and a half to get to you. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we were going to write a uh, a comedy of errors episode, like of a Seinfeld or something, um, we couldn't have come up with a stranger series of events that was involved in getting this computer to me. I know. It, and it just, it was really weird that it kind of came down to all of that because it was a situation where um, nobody could have anticipated this. And it, Hearing this story, I think a lot of people are going to be going, yeah, right. But we actually we have yeah. documentation. It really did happen this way. So, um, you know, with no further ado, this started about a year and a half ago now. So um, this was pre-COVID, pre-all of that. And some of the resources that we get is we get to try out equipment or get used equipment. And you would need it to replace your iMac. Right. And uh, so, okay, so we had a source for being able to do that. and. Uh, Got it ordered up, and it took about six weeks for whatever reason for it to get to me. And then we decided, okay, we're going to send this down to you. Now, I'll let you take it from there. What happened next? Well, I mean, it, it, it's just strange because there were several attempts <clears throat> to mail the computer to me at a, you know at a, an address that I was living at in, in Reno. And for whatever reason, the – I think – uh, we it was the U.S. Postal, I think, was one, but I think even UPS. Women, because we tried several different carriers, if I'm not mistaken, and neither one of them could get the computer to me. It yeah, was some it, kind of addressing failure. It was really weird. It was two different carriers. It was UPS and the United States Postal Service, both of which I usually have pretty good luck with. Now the Postal Service kept coming back with a label. The first one was uh, addressing complete. Uh, no such address. And the second one is, is uh, forwarding order expired, unable to forward. That's what it said. Okay. Something like that, yeah. right? And then the UPS one, I don't know if I got a reason. It just went out and it, the tracking number just kind of stalled for, I think it was three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, and then it came back here eventually. And I'm kind of glad it didn't get lost. Uh, although th this isn't the end of that story, because the next thing I figured is, okay, you're you're down in Reno, Nevada. And I had to head down there for something. So I figured I'll just bring it with me and uh, leave it in a garage at a house that uh, we had, and uh, you could pick it up from there. But then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think what it was was you left the computer and and even a a forty six inch HD TV that you were also getting rid of. Um, you were storing them in in the garage of your the family home that you have in Northwest Reno or, and I think it's right, right above you and our right, pretty close right. to you and ours where your family lived. And so apparently someone had tried to not vandalize, but burglarize your home. Yeah. Quite successfully. And they, yeah. And unfortunately um, they ended up um, damaging a, a garage door opener, which is what, how I was going to get access to the TV and the computer once it was safely there. Right. So, so apparently 
Um, they were stolen items. They became stolen items. And luckily, the Reno Police Department got involved, or maybe not so luckily, the Reno Police Department got involved. And um, they were able to actually um, retrieve some of these items. And then that became its own source of comedy in that it took weeks to try to get that released as evidence. And part of this, now we're going into the COVID era. So yes. you know, a lot of the availability in law enforcement, um, like everybody else, was you know like a one day you have to change every procedure. So trying to get in and, and deal with this stuff was um, next to impossible <laughs> to do. So it ended up, from my understanding, getting put in some kind of a a storage warehouse, and we never were able to retrieve it. So finally, we file an insurance claim, and at the end of the day, you know, got paid off on that. However, as most people will know on computer equipment, and this was kind of an interesting footnote, um, if it's tied to your accounts and all that kind of stuff, you can usually see when it's turned on. And this piece of equipment has been, at least it was attempted to be turned on. So that's, you know, who knows what's going on with that. But at the end of the day, I think we kind of got this worked out as uh, we got a new uh, system, an Alienware mm-hmm. uh, tower, which uh, is the highest end Dell system that they make. And I use them for my own equipment. They work really great. But it still took a little time to get that to you, mainly because I was unwilling to ship it at this point. <laughs> no, I, mean, you know, I, 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 did, I didn't want you to ship it because yeah. who knows where it was going to end up. It was going to end up in the ether somewhere. Exactly, exactly. Well, you, you would have had to have gotten like a personal courier to pick it up personally from Bill and drive it all the way down. Pretty much. Yeah. But, well, you know, we, this, but this we didn't even, even – Go ahead. I'm sorry. This didn't even involve uh, like a like a famous person's no. name. No. I had a famous person who wanted me to uh, make a costume for him, and he tried to ship a, a like a, a body form so that I could make the costume fit him. And he tried to ship this to me, and because his name was on it, it managed to go all over the place. Uh, and part of that, I think, was even eBay. Yeah, everywhere except here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I don't know. That. Sometimes shipping is a little odd. Yeah. And that was a courier service. That wasn't USPS or anything. I, You know, it's interesting how these things kind of play out because usually 99% of the time everything's okay. But once in a while, and it seems like when it does go wrong, it really can go wrong. Really goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, didn't we, didn't we try? I mean, we tried a... Of a friend of the group here, who um, who was going to be making a tri- like a road trip or yeah. something, and um, and even th- somehow that got derailed. Well, that got so, de- that got derailed because of COVID. The plans to come down from that individual. Oh, that's right. Okay. And, you know, so so yeah, and and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, when I, I so I finally brought it down uh, when I was down there. And it, and I call you up and I'm like I don't want responsibility for this anymore. <laughs> Come here and get it and take it because I don't want it to vaporize or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once I the can, software was installed and the account was in place, it's Steve. Yeah. It's on you now. It's on you now. This is yours. And uh, so, what do you think? Of the, what do you think of the new Alienware computer? I um, I mean, how do you? You've had a chance to use it now for about a week. Well, it's it's actually I, it got plugged in last week um, briefly. It's actually it doesn't have a desk to sit on right now, uh, so uh-huh. it's it's uh. um, it's still in a kind of a holding pattern. But I I get to see it every single day. Well, it's a start. <laughs> it's, it's a start. You know, like I said, with these the lights you can customize everything. 
as yes. an ancillary feature, it does run Windows and do stuff, but the lights are the cool part. And it's, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have yeah. to let us know what you think of it when you have a chance to uh, look at it a little bit more. But like I said, oh, yeah. this was just a funny story and we've been asked about it. So I thought, <laughs> you know, now that we've gotten it to an end, we'll see what it is. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly. Great show this week, guys. We've been getting yeah. so many questions in, and it's absolutely wonderful. Keep them coming, because that's how we do a lot of our programming, and it's a lot of good information to know what everybody wants to find out. So to talk a little bit about the pop culture in this week, uh, I finally had a chance to see uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Is that the right? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, so Falcon will first. The Falcon so, and then yeah. the Winter Soldier. Characters, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of binge-watched the first three episodes. I haven't seen the one that uh, came out yesterday yet. But the rest of them, um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was kind of interesting. It felt like it was done along the level of a movie. Yep. I, yeah. would, I would recommend seeing them. It didn't seem like there was anything too contrived. I mean, for what it is, of course, but uh, <laughs> they do have a pretty decent storyline and uh, it does seem like it also hits on some current day issues a little bit. There's at least that kind of a feeling of a connection, some of this stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, I enjoyed it. I think it was worth seeing. I, I, I think it was worth going through. The episodes run just under an hour apiece, so you can time yourself out that way. They're all available on Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you don't have to have any special subscriptions beyond the basic one to get to them. Right. I found that I liked uh, Bucky and Falcon even more. You know, I, I, yeah. They have a fascinating work dynamic. Yes, they do. To say the <laughs> least. <laughs> and so they're kind of like the, the buddies that are at each other's throats. And, um, but I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Thunder Force. I watched this movie on Netflix and it's basically a buddy film with gals. Okay. With women. And I was expecting, you know, I was like, oh gosh, is this going to be a man hating film? No, it's a buddy film. It's, it's fun, lots of humor, lots of silliness, and it, it's good hearted. So yeah. I, I, if you want something lighthearted, it's, it's pretty fun. I think the right. special <laughs> effects were pretty good. Yeah, the special effects were pretty good. And it stars uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Olivia, um, Octavia. Spencer and Jason Bateman. Okay. Yeah. Right now, lighthearted is good, especially, you know, yes. getting to where we're at. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's like a super, a, a fun superhero flick. Okay. Now that's cool. You know, it's nice to have some new content out there. Things are starting to at least show signs of maybe eventually getting back to normal. And along that end, we have some events coming up this fall. And if they really start getting back into production on everything, we're going to have a very busy on-site fall. And you know what? I'm not upset about that. I'm so, not either. And it, and it looks like maybe this Star Trek convention thing really will happen because uh, the governor of Nevada is slowly starting to get rid of some of the restrictions. Okay, so they're actually going to open back up. I know uh, Chaz, our Las Vegas reporter, was saying that they've allowed some of the shows to come back at this point down mm -hmm. there. So this and the Star Trek convention is in Las Vegas, so August 11th to 15th. So that'll probably be the first one we do if we get out there as long as it's safe. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll keep you up to date yes. on that. And until then, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge.
User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.